Who are the real people we consider our sages? Who were they in life? What is the legacy they left us? Join Rabbi Danny Saxton for the next hour as he explores the lives of our Torah giants, the spiritual geniuses who shaped the way we approach Judaism today. That's Focus on Our Sages right now on 101.9 High FM. Good afternoon and welcome to Soul to Soul. Always great to be with you on a Wednesday afternoon, on a chilly and cold Wednesday. Um, although the sun has been coming out periodically today, warming us up a bit, but it's been a little bit of a cold spell here in Joburg. And uh, let's hope it passes quickly and we can look forward to spring that's not far away. Um, so today is the 15th of Av, the 15th day of the month of Av in the Hebrew calendar. And... Uh, the 15th of Av is known as Tuba Av because the numbers 15 in the Hebrew alphabet um, is uh, Taf and Vav. So it's two spells. We pronounce it two. So Tuba Av, the 15th of Av is today. So we're going to discuss in a moment the significance of this day, the source of joy about this day. But let's just uh, pretext a little bit. Uh, we Last week... Um, was Tisha B'Av, and we Tisha B'Av, of course, as we all know, is the first day. It's a day of sadness. It's a day of mourning. It's a day when we focus on the downside of things taking place in our world around us, and how they're a consequence of our spiritual level of where we're holding spiritually. And therefore, we look at those things and we try and address what we can in our own lives in order to turn things around and uh, to remove the clouds. And allow the light of Hashem into our lives, into our world, and into the world in general. So that's the focus on Tisha B'Av. The Shabbos immediately after Tisha B'Av, which was last Shabbos, is known as Shabbos Nachamu, the Shabbos of comfort. And we start reading seven Haftorahs. Um, they're called the Shiva Dinachemta, the seven Haftorahs of comfort, in which they uh, talk about these Starting from Lo Shabbos and continuing all the way to Rosh Hashanah, the Avtoras are uh, describing visions of the prophets of the ultimate redemption and of the comfort the Jewish people should find in the fact that the darkness will end and Mashiach will come and Hashem's light will shine in the world. And that will mark an end of suffering and of pain and of illness and of darkness and of um, the terrible challenges that we all face in different aspects of our lives, all of those will uh, be uh, dissipated and will be removed with the light of Hashem shining bright in the world. Um, so Shabbos Nachamu is that, Klai uh, Yisrael, raise yourselves, be lifted with the hope of the prophecies of the great prophets of the ultimate redemption, which should happen speedily in our days. Amen. And so we start lifting ourselves and we start focusing on the good and we realize that when we turn ourselves around, when we change, when we develop on the inside and do what we call is tshuva and repent and return back to our dedication and our service and our loyalty to Hashem in the way we live our lives, so then we will play our part in bringing the ultimate redemption. And the ultimate redemption is not far away. So our prophets promise us. 
And that is our source of comfort. And we continue with that theme of comfort, with those prophecies of redemption, right the way till Rosh Hashanah. Um, however, I heard a, a very beautiful and powerful idea over Tisha B'Av. Um, it's a very um, common thing that we screen in communities around the world. I believe that this year there were over 50,000 people that saw these incredible um, uh Videos that are made by the Chovetz Chaim Heritage Foundation in America and uh, screened to Jewish communities on Tisha B'Av across the globe. In one of these videos, there was a rabbi by the name of Rabbi Gershon Miller, and he said such a beautiful idea. And he said this also should be a source of comfort for us, which I felt very moving. So I'd like to share that idea with you. He quoted Tehillim Psalms. So as we know, David Hamiller, King David, wrote Psalms. Um, he was the great poet of the Jewish people, um, and he described his love for Hashem and our outlook so eloquently and so beautifully. Naim Shiri Yisrael, he was known as David Amelach. And he writes on Psalm number 37, and it uh, is verse number 7. So you could look it up if you want, if you have a Tehillim of Psalms in front of you. Lamed Zion, Zion 37.7. And the, the King David writes over there, Dom la Hashem loy. So Dom la Hashem means be silent to Hashem. loy. So what is that word loy? So Rav Shimshon Rafal Hirsch explains. It says the word hitchalel comes from, from the word of giving birth in Hebrew. And so David Amelech is saying, be silent to Hashem as Hashem gives birth. He's the one who performs the birth of each and every one of us. Hashem gives birth to us physically and spiritually. Of course, our parents are partners in that birth. But Hashem is the one who facilitates that. So this is referring to our spiritual birth. So it's saying, be silent to Hashem as He allows ourselves to be, to be born, as He gives birth to us. And Rav Hirsch emphasizes that these words, hitcholel, is reflective in Hebrew. Reflective means that we have to do it ourselves, that we're a part of it, that we're a partner. And it really is such a magnificent understanding that Hashem sends us situations and circumstances and challenges, whether they triumphs, whether they disappointments, whether they joys or whether they sorrow, whether they filled with, with celebration, or marred by sadness. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, Hashem is giving birth to us. It's not random. It's not accidental. What we're going through in any part of our lives is what our neshama needs to experience and is an opportunity and potential for us to reach greatness, for us to, to bring out our innate greatness. And although if it's a difficult experience, and ordeal, um, the pain is real, the pain is valid, the, the suffering is genuine. But through that pain and suffering, we give birth to ourselves. Through that pain and suffering, Hashem is giving us an opportunity to participate in our spiritual growth, birth, in our spiritual growth, in our spiritual development. So everything that we are going through, Dom la Hashem, says David Amalek, be silent to Hashem. Don't fight it. Don't um, go against the grain. Don't be bitter and angry and vind vindictive 
and um, and live a life of resentment. Don't allow yourself to be that person and have that attitude. Go with the flow. Go with the situation and circumstance that Hashem is sending you. And He's giving birth to you. Through those circumstances, you're being born. Through those circumstances, you are becoming a a new person. Your potential is actualizing and becoming real if we deal with those circumstances in the right way. So our attitude needs to be not to to be silent and to receive what Hashem is giving us in our lives and to remain positive, to be loyal to Hashem, to understand that through this I'm growing and developing, to do the best we can with a good attitude and with a faith, faith and trust in God and to allow the circumstance to unravel and unfold in a positive way as best we can. So that's our work. That's our job. And that is what's giving birth to us. And that is the ultimate form of comfort because um, a person who's experiencing hardship and suffering and lives with a mindset that this world is completely random and accidental and there's no meaning and purpose, so then why am I going through the suffering? It makes the suffering much worse. But if we know that the difficulties and the challenges and the hardship that we're going through is a part of our birth, is building us, is de- is developing us spiritually, so then there's meaning to our difficulty and our suffering. And that changes everything. That makes it much more bearable. And that gives us a sense of accomplishment and of meaning and and enables us to grow through the situation. So that is the beautiful explanation of David HaMelech. And it's a great life lesson for all of us to realize that it's not random and by chance, but whatever we are experiencing is part of the perfection of our soul and of our development and growth as human beings in this world that Hashem is sending us. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Hi FM. So today is we move from Tishabab to Shabbos Nachamu to our time of comfort. And today is Tubab, the 15th of the month of Av. And there were four important things that happened in Jewish history on this day. And we'll discuss them and explain why it is therefore that today is a day of celebration and joy within the Jewish people. And we don't say Tachanun, uh, which are certain tough supplications that we say in the morning and afternoon prayers, because today is a day of celebration. So the first thing that happened is that the Jews during the time that we were in the Midbar, the Jews came out of the out of Egypt and were in the desert, supposed to go into the land. The spies gave a negative report. They were then there was a decree that they would remain in the land for forty years and wouldn't enter the land, and they would die. And they stopped dying on this day, um, which is when they were in the desert, which was a source of great relief and great celebration. And it meant that that generation would now go in when when those that needed to die had stopped dying for after forty years. So then they would enter the land with Yahushua. So that's the first thing that happened. They knew on this day that the dying had ended. Um, Secondly, we're going to come back to that in a moment. I just want to mention the other items and then we'll come back to this point. Secondly, um, the intertribal marriage was permitted um, on this day. There was a certain time where the the tribes had to marry within each other because they would inherit the land. Um, 
And uh, but on Tubaav, this restriction was lifted for the for Klaishol, which was a source of celebration. Thirdly, the tribe of Binyamin was saved from extension on Tubaav, and finally, the Romans permitted the burial of Jews um, in the Beta Revolt on this day. So that was in 138 of the Common Era, after the Romans had destroyed the Second Temple. The Emperor Hadrian planned to transform Jerusalem into a pagan city with a shrine to Jupiter on the site of the temple. This led to the great Jewish revolt of Shimon Bar Kokhba, and um, he developed uh, and, and built up a guerrilla army that succeeded actually in overthrowing the Romans and, and chasing them out of Eretz Israel and establishing for a brief, brief period an independent Jewish state. It obviously then um, led the Romans to retaliate, and they required large numbers of troops in order to crush the revolt of Bar Kokhba. Bar Kokhba, Bar Kokhba made his final stand in the city of Beitar, which is southwest of Jerusalem today. It was estimated that hundreds of thousands of Jews who lived in Beitar um, were massacred by the Romans at that time until, as uh, it's the, the historians write, until their blood flowed into the Mediterranean Sea. So the Romans didn't allow, after that, the Jews to bury their body, the, to bury their dead. According to our holy tradition, the bodies laid open and did not rot for three years until the 15th of Av, this day, Tubav where they were finally allowed to be buried. So that's another reason why today is a day of celebration for us. And in fact, in the Birkas Amazon, in the um, blessing, grace of the meals, or the blessing we make after eating bread, so there's a special blessing. The fourth blessing of Birkas Amazon was about this joy that, I sh- um, that we were allowed to bury our dead um, after three years later. On this day, on the 15th of Av. So I want to uh, speak now a little bit about the first reasons. The first one, remember, we said that the Jews stopped dying in the desert on this day. The Mishnah in Tani says that there were no days of celebration like Tuba Av and Yom Kippur. These were the days of the greatest celebration in the Jewish calendar. Why is that so? Well, Yom Kippur, we know, is a day of atonement, is a day of forgiveness for Klai Yisrael. On Yom Kippur, that was the day when Moshe Rabbeinu returned with the second luchos, the second tablets. And it was therefore only on that day that the Jewish people knew that Hashem had forgiven us for the sin of the golden calf, for the Chet Eagle. So that's why Yom Kippur is a day of forgiveness and a day of joy. There's no greater joy for the Jewish people with the knowledge that Hashem has forgiven us from our sins. And we now begin anew. We now start afresh. The slate is wiped clean and we can try again. So that's a great source of joy for us. And that's why Yom Kippur, although it's a difficult day, although it's a challenging day, it's fasting and it's davening the whole day, but it also is a day that's filled with joy because we know that Hashem is forgiving us on this day. And it's the same source of joy for Tubav because the Jewish people now knew that Hashem had forgiven them for the sin of the Meraglim, of the spies, and that they were now starting again with a clean slate. And that is why um, we, it's a day that actually is designated for Shiduchim, for people um, finding their marriage partner and 
in ancient times, uh, they, uh, situations were set up that young men and young women could meet each other on this day. And we know that as Jews, we're very tsanua. We are very protective of the great power of sexuality. And we're very modest about it because we know how important it is and how precious it is and how it should be not flaunted everywhere, but protected and valued. But it was on this day, the day that the Jews were forgiven, that we felt because it's a day of purity and holiness and forgiveness, so it would be a day where we would be able to more openly engage in um, finding partners. And the Mishnah says that the Jewish women would wear white dresses and they would all wear the same white dresses. So um, it would be equal across the nation. There would be no difference whether the person was wealthy or not. And it would be a time when um, men and women would meet and would uh, potentially find their prospective partners, their soulmates. Um, and it's very important to realize that we're so protective over it because we value it so much. We regard the power of a man and a woman to be of one of the most powerful things that Hashem created in the world. And when a man and woman have an energy and have a connection, they have the potential to change the world. They, uh, we, 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 um, believe based on the morality and the teachings of the Torah that a husband and wife a man and a woman should only be intimate, should only have a sexual relationship once they've entered into the covenant of married, marriage, because sexuality is so powerful and so, and so important that it shouldn't be cheapened by a casual relationship, but rather should be reserved for a lifelong commitment. And the, and the, um, sexual union of the couple is an important part of building their marriage and is something that is that is at the center of their marriage and uh, it enhances greatly the relationship and enables that couple to be loyal to one another, to build a life together, to please God, bring children into this world and to have a family and to um, build the world with the structure of a, of a family, which is at the foundation of the future of all of society. And of course is one of the highest, um, attributes, one of the highest, um, accolades that a, a individual could achieve is building a healthy marriage and having children together with their spouse and, um, bringing children up, altaras, akodesh, in a holy way, um, continuing the traditions and the practices of our holy people serving Hashem. So uh, sexuality is a very big part of that. And it's something that is highly respected and valued and is for the, is a very holy act of a husband and wife, um, coming together and is something that Hashem's presence is there. As the Gemara says, a man and woman, if they merit it. So God's presence is there. Unlike other religions that see sexuality as a kind of necessary evil in Judaism, we see it as a very holy thing. A very important thing, something that Hashem is a part of. That's a very not only to procreate. Sexuality in Judaism is not only important because it uh, it, it has the potential to um, conceive and and uh, allow children to come into the world, but it's it's a lot more than that. It is an important part of the marriage and the relationship between a man and a woman. And therefore, for us to um, pornography is, is a terrible thing, and to to cheapen sexuality. 
for it just to be a physical pleasure and not to have the emotional and spiritual part of it is a very sad thing. It's a great tragedy. It's one of the great tra- tragedies of our modern world is the pleasure of sexuality has been separated from the um, the important and powerful connection that it creates in a relationship and the spiritual um, power that is involved in it as well. So, therefore, we preserve sexuality for marriage and we give it the highest of respect and, therefore, a Jewish woman is um, modest and dresses in a modest way, not because we, um, you know, we we don't appreciate that. It's the opposite. It's because we value the great power of a woman and the great power of her sexuality, and it is to be preserved and to be used in the sanctity of the marriage in order to build the relationship and build the home and build a a, a life together as a family. Um, in which, please God, there's, there's, uh, there is the bearing of children as well. So, so that is the, the great power of sexuality. And that's why on this day, a holy day, a day of forgiveness, a day of sanctity, it is the day when, um, we let our guard down, so to speak, a little bit. And it's a day that is auspicious for couples to meet and for shiduchim to take place. Um, so that's, a little bit about the beauty of and the power of, of this day of Tubav, um, the 15th of Av, which, please God, should be a day of blessing, a day of forgiveness, and a day of holiness for all of the Jewish people. I wanted to mention also the 16th of Av, which is tomorrow, also is a significant day in Jewish history, in modern Jewish history. The 16th of Av is the day when the British government ordered all illegal immigrants that were bound for Palestine to be deported to camps on the island of Cyprus. So we know after World War II, there were many, many refugees that wanted to leave Europe and go to Eretz Israel. was on this day, the 16th of Av, that the British policy became official, that they would not allow any more Jews into Eretz Israel, and they would restrict the immigration to Israel, and they were all deported to camps. Can you believe such a thing? So people that went through the unbelievable, unspeakable horrors of the Holocaust and of the concentration camps were now sent by the British to more camps, to the DP camps, the d- displaced persons camps. Um, according to the terms of the British white paper in 1939, immigration to Palestine was limited to 75,000 Jews over a period of 10 years. Following the end of World War II, many Holocaust survivors had nowhere to go, so they crammed onto old ships bound for the Holy Land. Some ships succeeded in slipping through the British naval blockade and unloading their human cargo on desolate beaches. Several ships sank in tragic circumstances. Other ships were apprehended and the passengers sent to the British detention camps, complete with barbed wire, military towers and guards. The Exodus is the famous immigrant ship from this era. Today, one of the ships, the FLP, which means in spite of all, stands in a museum in Haifa. So it was this day, the 16th of Av, that the British made this policy official. Okay, great. So let's move on. Um, I actually want to share with you a beautiful, powerful idea from this week's Torah reading, this week's Pasha, Pasha's Akev, and we will share that in a moment after this ad break. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. 
I'd like to share with you some very powerful words of Moshe Rabbeinu of Moses, the great teacher of the Jewish people, which really encapsulate what the life of a Jew is and what our purpose and mission in this world should be. So these words come from this week's reading, this week's Pasha, um, which is Pasha's Akef. And the uh, you can look it up if you want. It's in the cha- it's 10th chapter of Deuteronomy of Devarim. It's uh, Perek Yud, chapter 10, and Pasuk Yud Beis, verse 12. So Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people, Va'ata Yisrael. And now Yisrael is referring to Klal Yisrael. Ma Hashem Elokecha Shoyel Me'imecha. What is it that Hashem your God asks of you? The only thing that Hashem asks of you is these things, is to fear Hashem. And Yira is not in a negative connotation. It means to have reverence and awe for Hashem. That's number one. To walk in His ways, number two. And to love Hashem, number three. To serve Hashem your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul is number four. To guard the mitzvahs of Hashem and His statutes that Hashem commands you today for your good. For your good. So it's these five things. What I call the big five. You know, we have the big five in the bush. So these are the big five in spirituality. What is it that Hashem wants of us? Says Moshe Rabbeinu, He wants us to have fear and reverence for Him, number one. To walk in His ways, number two. To love Him, number three. To serve Him with all our heart and all of our soul, number four. And to fulfill His commandments, number five. This is what Hashem wants of us in this world. So there's so much darkness and confusion in our world. And people really don't know what life is about and why we're here and what is the purpose of our existence. So Moshe Rabbeinu tells us very clearly, obviously this comes directly from God. God told Moshe to tell the people this, that these are the five things that we are supposed to pursue in our lives. This is the mission of the Jewish people. I want to read one more pasuk, and it says, Heim la'ashem lokecha ha'shemayim l'shmei ha'shemayim and to Hashem is the heavens and the earth and everything in it. Hashem created this world. It all is Hashem's. Just in your ancestors that Hashem desire to love them. And Hashem chose their offspring, after them. For all the generations like on this day. In other words, just as you see on this day, that's what Rashi says, that Hashem is showing great favor and choice of the Jewish people, so that will be in the future as well. So it really is just, that these words really speak for themselves. They don't need any um, elaboration and explanation because they are so beautiful and so powerful and and encapsulate what it is that a Jew is supposed to do in this world. And in fact, the Masih Shisharim, the great Ramchal, who wrote his classic work, his Magnus Opus, in the path of the just, the Ramchal bases his entire sefer on these psukim, on these words. 
these five things. And the Ramchal then goes on to explain what they are. In other words, they, they very beautiful ideas and great, but each one, each one of the five of the big five is a great principle and it has tremendous, that really needs to be understood properly and how we live that way. So that's what Hashem tells us to do, but how do we implement that in our lives? So the Masida Shisharim explains to us what that means. He explains to us exactly how to implement, how to live a life which is dedicated to these five things, to having all reverence for Hashem, to going in Hashem's ways, to loving Hashem, to serving Hashem with our heart and soul and to doing His mitzvahs. The Masida Shisharim explains what that means, how, what a life that is focused on these five things looks like and how to implement that in our behavior. And he goes to great detail to do that. So I highly recommend the learning of Masjid Shasharim. It will completely change your life and transform you. We give a shir in Masjid Shasharim every um, Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock after Maariv. You're welcome to join us at Sunny Road, Kehillah. So, so these words are really deep and moving and all-powerful and encompass everything that a Jew is supposed to be doing. Let me share with you a very short Ramban, Rav. Moshe ben Nachman, the great Nachmanides, the Ramban, um, was born in uh, Spain and lived most of his life in Spain. And uh, he was born in the year 1194 and he died in 1270. Most of his life uh, he lived in, in Girona and Catalonia and Spain. And he, towards the end of his life he went to Eretz Israel and helped rebuild Yerushalayim after it was destroyed by the Crusaders in 1099. Um, so the Ramban was born in 1194 and he died in 1270. And he has a very classic, famous, Kabbalistic, philosophical explanation of the Torah. He also was a physician like the Rambam. And he says the following um, on these verses. He says, Nimshach el, so he says, So that which it said at the end, Latovlach is for your good, was going on what Hashem is asking you. What is Hashem asking you to do? It's only for your good. It's not for Hashem. He says that that which Hashem is asking is not for His needs. It's for your needs. It's, you need it. Hashem doesn't need it. Katam im As the Pasuk in Eov says, if you are righteous, what does it give to Hashem? Hashem is perfect. Our definition of Hashem is Hashem is omnipotent and Hashem is all perfect. So Hashem doesn't need anything from us. It's for us. It's for our good, not for Hashem's good. As the Ramban continues and says, Rak hakolhu tovlach. It all is for your good. The Amar, Hatam ki Hashem elokecha, Hashemayim moshmea Hashemayim, Haaretz v'kol Hashemba. As the next Pasuk says, that to Hashem your God is the heavens and the earth and everything in them. In other words, Hashem gets all the glory and all the honor required from the heavens and the earth. They all bear testimony to Hashem's perfection and Hashem's greatness. And we should therefore, Hashem doesn't need our honor. He gets that already from the creation that He created. Rak so, continues the Ramban, that's what the next Pasuk says, that Hashem desired in our ancestors, and He chose their offspring for um, from all the nations of the world, because of the greatness of the, our ancestors, because of our ancestors that we were chosen, so in other words, He's saying like this, 
and, and not Yishmael and not Esav. Hashem chose our ancestors and their descendants um, for our good. It's for us and for our good. So it's so important to realize that by fulfilling the big five, these five things, it is for our benefit. Hashem doesn't need it. Hashem is perfect. And the world that Hashem created gives Hashem all the glory and possible. But it's for our own benefit and for our own good. And when we live a life in which we follow the these five directives, these five requirements that Hashem asks of us, so it is only for us. It's for our benefit. And it will give us um, such greatness, such joy, um, such fulfillment, not only in the next world. It doesn't give birth to us only spiritually, but even in this world as well. So by following the big five, that earns us eternity from Hashem, which of course everybody wants to have an eternal life and to not to be wiped out spiritually, but rather to live forever and have, which is not in this world, which means in the eternal spiritual world, which is beyond time and, and space, which is, which is a spiritual existence, not a material existence. So we earn eternity by, by living a life of these five. But not only that, it's also good for us in this world. We'll live the, the life of an observant Jew is filled with so much light and so much joy and so much physical pleasure, much more than a person who doesn't observe a spiritual structure and framework, much more than a person who doesn't have God in their life and in their world. There's no question about it, that the, the tremendous satisfaction and meaning and purpose and fulfillment and direction and tranquility is, is much greater. Even the physical pleasure is greater when it's framed with a spiritual existence and a spiritual outlook. So Hashem says, it's for you, it's for you in this world and for you in the next world if you live by these five. And that's why it's such a great tragedy that there's so many Jews that are completely ignorant about the Torah, that have no Torah knowledge. They think they know what the Torah has to offer. And I think that, you know, maybe they went to a day, Jewish day school and they were exposed, but it, it is superficial, their understanding. The depth and the beauty and the meaning and the framework is absolutely magnificent. And all the answers to our existential questions are in the Torah. Often Jews are looking far and wide for the meaning of life, which is also a great tragedy because it's right in our backyard. It's right in front of us under our noses. And the life that it promises us is so rich and so fulfilling and so, and, and, uh, and delivers a tranquility that is unrivaled with any other lifestyle in the world. And that's what Moshe Rabbein is telling us. Follow these big five, the Tovlach, it's for your good, both in this world and in the next world. Please stay with us, we'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. We're discussing the powerful words of Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher, telling us that there are five things that Hashem wants of us. And if we follow these five, not only will it promise us eternity, a life of eternal bliss, but also 
a good life in this world, the best life in this world. There's no question about it. And I just want to give you an illustration. Rabbi Gladstein has a great example of this, where we see that by doing the mitzvahs and fulfilling what Hashem wants us to do, it's for us. It's, a, it's good for us in this world and in the next world. Um, and he quotes the famous Gemara Menachos, where uh, Rabbi Meir, there's a price of Rabbi Meir, the great Tana, the Talmud of Rabbi Akiva. And he says, on this pasuk that, we, that we've just said, but I saw Mashem, the Rabbi Meir on this verse says, Don't read ma, what does Hashem want of you? But meya, a hundred Hashem wants of you. And those are the hundred brochas that we say. In other words, we much of the life of a observant Jew is about davening. We daven three times a day. Um, and we say blessings. We bless Hashem constantly. We bless Hashem before we eat. We bless Hashem after we eat. We bless Hashem after we go to the bathroom. And our, much of our life is, um, is peppered with these beautiful blessings that we say. So for example, Birkas Amazon. After we have bread, so the Torah tells us, eat. And when you satiate it, bless Hashem your God. And this blessing of Birkas Amazon, the in Sefer Achinoch, the Sefer Achinoch writes in Mitzvahs, Taflamid says that anybody who's careful with Birkas Amazon, that person will be able to support themselves and make a, a living, make a good living. So in return for thanking Hashem for our sustenance, for the bread that we eat, Hashem blesses us with being able to sustain ourselves and to make a living. And the Zohar says, the great classic work of Jewish mysticism, says that if a person benches with joy, if we say Birkas Amazon with joy, so Hashem will provide us with our sustenance with joy. So we have joy when we thank Hashem for our sustenance, so we will experience joy when we earn our sustenance and we make a panosa. The great Chida, the great Sfadi, uh, Gadol and Mekubal Kabbalist, he says, on the path of Birkas Hashem Tanashir, and the blessing of Hashem will make you wealthy. So he says, when you bless Hashem, Tashir, you'll become wealthy, says the Chida. The Rokeach says that we'll be saved from Hashem's anger when we uh, say Birkas Amazon, when we bless Hashem after bread with Kavona. He says that every letter of the Aleph base appears in the benching apart from the Pei Sofit, the final Pei, because the Pei Sofit represents Hashem's anger, Af and Kharaf, these are words that display Hashem's anger. So if we bench properly, if we do, uh, say Birkas Amazon with Kavona, so then we won't experience Hashem's wrath, Hashem's anger in our lives. And the Mishnah Bura recommends that we should therefore bench from a bencher, read the benching, and do so with focus and with serious with Kavona. So we see from all of these examples that the benching is for us, that if we do it properly, so then we will uh, we will make a living um uh, Hashem will, will sustain us, that we will do so with joy, that we will become wealthy, that we will, uh, won't experience Hashem's anger. So by the benching, it's not for Hashem, it's for us. If we do it properly, we will be rewarded. And it's the same thing with the blessing Hashem Yatsa. There's a beautiful blessing that we say, um, after we go to the bathroom. Uh, it's a very powerful blessing where we thank Hashem for the miraculous workings of our body. And it's in, it's the beginning of every Siddur. And a Jew is supposed to say that every time we go into the bathroom. 
So the great Seder Ayomi was a Talmud of the Arisal, of Moshe Musk. He says, if you say, Birkas Amazon with Kavona, he has a Kabbalah Masoira, that you won't be ill. You won't need a doctor in your life. And the Ketsoi Sashulchan, the Rav Chaim Noah, says, he also has a Masoira that if a person is ill, it's Segula for Rafua. In other words, the one of the ways to shift that illness and to be healed is to say, Asher uh, Yatsar with Kavona. So if somebody needs a, a healing and needs a refuah, be very careful and say Asher Yatsar with Kavona. The Stantler said you should read the Asher Yatsar said from a text. Rashimon Schwab says the Rabbi Chonavasim when he said Asher Yatsar was as if he, he said it was tremendous Kavona, as if he was doubling on the Ila. That's how powerful it was. So we see the blessings if you say Asher Yatsar properly, it will make you healthy. It's for your health. And if you, if you bench properly, it's for your, um, so you'll make a pranosis. So the blessings themselves, well, not for Hashem, they're for us and for our benefit. And we'll end off with this, a beautiful Rebbe Nebuchadnezzar. Rebbe Nebuchadnezzar says, in Pasha's Emor, we have this incident with the Makalel, somebody who curses Hashem, with Hashem's name. And we see that that person gets the death penalty. So Rebbe Nebuchadnezzar says, why is that in the Torah? Why do we need to say that in the Torah? Because there's an important lesson. If somebody says Hashem's name and curses, so that person deserves to die, the opposite is true as well. If somebody says Hashem's name and he blesses, so he'll be zoichet to Olam Haba. When we say Hashem's name, and it's with a blessing, and we have focus, and we have sincerity, so that with with kavana, so that will earn us eternity. That's the great. So we see the blessings are not for Hashem, they're for us. And likewise, all the mitzvahs, as the Torah says, and as the Ramban emphasizes, the observance of the Torah mitzvahs, are, Hashem doesn't need it, we need it. They're for our good, they're for our perfection, they're for our eternity, and for um, a great life in this world as well. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.